you, Matt Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett White. And hey, this is Matt Little, the other host. Yes, we are one, two hosts for the price of zero, because this podcast is free. Yeah, price of zero. Well, well eventually, you'll, you pay with your time and spiritually. Oh, that is true. This is a very taxing experience on the listener. Yeah, yeah. We're zapping energy from you. They see, you see that there's a new episode, and you're like... Oh, here we go. Bandwidth. We're also taxing bandwidth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the comic book podcast where we talk about things that we love in comic books, and every other week we sit down with a guest and read and discuss a book that we uh, have picked. That is not happening this week. This is our talk episode. Yeah. Um, we have a, lo- a lovely guest. We do. He's lovely. lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I would describe him as lovely. Uh, he, you may remember him from the uh, Chris Roberson episode. Yeah, uh, two-parter, which now true. means that he's been on the podcast. I think he ranks number four, probably after you, me, and Nicole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow, really? That quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all it takes. Four. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Four. Or three appearances gets you up there. Well, that's and also right. if we count uh, his role in uh, the Dark Knight, four. That's true. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So. Uh, and uh, and and you've contributed. You contributed to Spider Man. Uh, I wrote, you wrote, I wrote for the other um, yeah. sequel projects. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so technically five or six. There you go. Look out, Nicole. <laughs> yeah, look out. Uh, Kevin Hines is here with us today. Kevin, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. Yeah, as I mentioned. Oh, but, great. Um, miserable, miserable cold season around I think, Thanksgiving. I think here's here's this is going to be my undoing. I think I I think I've won the battle. I think, like, I've had it long enough that I'm like, it's not getting worse, I'm going to get better, and it, I never got a really bad cold. I just had this slight scratchiness and a little bit of a cough, and I think I'm on the upswing, so I'm very proud of myself for winning this battle. Nice. Which I have not finished yet, oh, but I'm already yeah. declaring myself victor. The best medicine is yeah. hope. This podcast I'll listen to next week and be like, I was right, I did win. <laughs> That's how confident I am. You sound great. I like it. You can also see Kevin at the UCB Theater uh, every Saturday night with his improv team, The Curfew. Yep. Yeah, at 7.30. At 7.30. And also on Wednesdays at UCB yep. Theater East. At 9 p.m. At 9 p.m. with his brother, yeah. Will Hines. The Brother Signs. The Brother Signs, yeah. Yeah. So you got a busy week. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's very busy. It's fun. <laughs> and then once a month, The Brother Signs, we do play-by-play. Which, I don't know if you guys you guys ever seen play-by-play? No. No, have not seen that Play-by-play is where Will and I get other people to improvise, and we do color commentary for the set. And we don't <laughs> perform ourselves. How have I not seen this show yet? That's, uh, that sounds it, perfect for you guys. We've done it a few times at TCM and a few times at Improv Nerds, but now that we have our own show, we're is it? stealing it. <laughs> and we're going to try to do it once a month. So, like, I think the Wednesday before Christmas, we are doing play-by-play. I don't know for who yet, but we'll figure that out. That uh, awesome. Is it more actual like sports color commentary, like Andy's doing a walk on, or is it mystery science theater style, like making fun of the improv? It's not super making fun of it, but it isn't. It's kind of a mix of everything. It's, okay. what, it's basically us just saying whatever pops in our head. Some of it is outright lies. Uh, <laughs> one of the first ones we did, we talked about how Lydia Hensler always goes blue because <laughs> she did like one slightly dirty move, like classic Lydia Hensler, dirty player. And then, like, that becomes almost like a sub-game for the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Connor Ratliff did one. We just kept talking. We called him the Iceman and kept talking about trying to make him break. Okay. Uh, and then he finally okay. broke at the end of the show, and it felt very satisfying. <laughs> nice. Sometimes it'll just be me commenting on the, the, the story of the scene. Yeah. Uh, I definitely remember talking about uh, a couple in a scene going, they seem like a nice couple. <laughs> so some of it's that. And then some of it is, 
first walk-on of the night. Oh, great edit. You know, sort of like, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. You know, God, if you're an improv it's, uh, it's person a, in New York City, yeah. go to that. It's a great show for... Uh, I mean, that's why I debuted at Improv Nerds. It's a great show for improv nerds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been you've been improvising for how long now? Uh, I've been... Two, uh, 2000s when I took my first class. Uh, I was on a team, I think, in 2003. A house team at the UCB. But, of course, I was doing indie teams before that. Yeah. Like everyone. So probably I've been... My first non-class show performance was probably 2001. Oh wow, that's wow. awesome! Yeah, my first like indie shows. So, uh, so eleven years in, what, uh, <laughs> what do you, what do you uh, still get out of it? Like, what excites you? Um, well, I'm good at it now. That makes it. Better, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Make, when it comes easier, that feels so good. Like, yeah. I mean, I went through stretches where it's just like I never felt good. I would leave stage going, well, I was the worst one. I still have those feelings, but now I'm like, oh, but everyone else is so good. Even as the worst one, I was good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, when I have a worst one show now, I'm like, oh, I was good, though. Uh, but I used to have shows where I felt horrible or just couldn't get it together or just wasn't confident. And I don't know. I feel very free on stage. And I think that's fun. Uh, I don't think I'm a great actor, like, in scripted stuff. I think I'm okay. Yeah. I don't think I'm great, but in like improv, I'm like I think I am a great improv actor. In that sort of like when I, there's no script and no scenario, <laughs> yeah, I think I am very good in that that world, and I kind of love it. When you are the writer, director, performer, yeah, with no prep work and, and no second guessing, and nobody watching over you, going no louder, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> do it angrier. It's just like whatever I do is it, yeah, yeah. So, like I feel good in that that spot, and uh, it's fun. And there's, it's also I don't know. It is amazing. Like, every show is different. And when you hit a good show, there's nothing like a good show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, there, there is just that certain intangible reward of stepping off stage after yeah. a good show. Like, even improv stand-up and anything that you're, like, performing, you get off stage and you're like, oh, my God, I feel like I could conquer yeah. the world right now. It doesn't matter where it is, either. It could be for a small audience, a big audience. Like, yeah. the show <laughs> I did with you, uh, which is a good... Actually, we had a good audience that night, but uh, uh, at Understand Marks. Yeah. Um... I remember I was pumped for like days. Cause yeah, it was, it was yeah. a really fun show. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Oh man, that we 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 wound up getting those runner. That that feels really good too. Where you you're on stage and you feel like connections happening, yeah. and you're like, oh yeah. oh, we can call this back immediately, yeah. and everyone's just on board with it, and the audience is like on along yeah. for the ride with you. I want to now uh, going back to the conquer the world thing. I now kind of want to use the idea of a super villain trying to conquer the world just because I just had a great improv set and I'm conquering the world now. <laughs> Literally. I just took over Paris. It's mine. Go. Good <laughs> evening. We're birth of a super villain could we yeah. a suggestion just of a place to conquer. Riding the confidence from a good show to domination of the yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Doom is a very confident Supervillain, yeah. he is. That's why he is as successful God, as he is to see Rules like a country. Yeah, he's a, he's a successful supervillain. Yeah. Like not just at supervillain, yeah. like he yeah. is a successful. Lives in a castle. Tiny yeah. success. I mean, not tiny. A country. He wants the world. He has sure. a country. That's sure, better than almost every other supervillain. Yeah, yeah. literally all of them. <laughs> yeah. Kingpin, uh, another very confident, very super successful supervillain. Very uh, successful. Okay. Had uh, down moments, but like. Had some very big moments, too. Yeah. I mean, Magneto had Genosha for a while, but that didn't go so well yeah. for him. I feel like Magneto... destroyed. I feel like Magneto doubts himself more than 
than like a Doom or, or a, yeah, well, Magneto. Magneto. and he's also now become like second fiddle to Cyclops. Like that's not a confident move. Yeah, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, he, he literally bowed yeah. to Scott Summers. He feels that. Yeah. God, that's oh. he's a failed. Well, he beat Cyclops. Beat him by being a better villain. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm now trying to think other successful Apocalypse. Not successful. Um. I don't think. No. no, he's air. He feels more arrogant than than right. confident. I mean, also for a guy that's been around for as long as he has, especially yeah. in like the year like twelve hundred when he was literally the only super thing on the planet, pretty much. Yeah, he should have just taken over <laughs> then, right? Yeah. What I happened? Think, I think I think successful supervillains. Part of it has to be they have to be like pull the strings types guys who kind yeah. of sit back and aren't yeah. always hand to hand combating and will wait for things to play out. Because if they're if like the Rhino's never going to be a successful supervillain, no. yeah. Because his move is always I'm going to go punch that guy. Yeah, yeah. So they got to stop him right away. You, you have to know how to be the CEO of your own yeah. life. Like yeah. Lex Luthor would be a great yeah, example of a successful supervillain. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I mean, Dark Side. Although he's a god, but all sides supervillain. Come on. Yeah. I think Mag- I think Magneto's downfall is he's not like Magneto doesn't have. I mean, he has a clear goal, but he's more concerned with more of an ideological thing. Like, his, like, Magneto's idea of success is not him himself ruling right. the world. It is his people yeah. being dominant. So, yeah. like... If Magneto came into a lot of money, he wouldn't be happy. No, yeah. yeah. Like, there's still too many humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is human money. Yeah. Got all this money and there's still humans. Yeah. <laughs> money can't buy a death of a species. That was... Money can't buy the death of a species. <laughs> well, uh, of, like, Doom, if everyone was like, Doom, you're the smart, you're the smartest guy in the world. Even if he didn't rule the world... He'd be pretty... That'd be happier than anything for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're way smarter than Reed Richards. He'd be like, yeah, now you get it. Yeah. Well, thank you. (laughs) Somebody, somebody understands me. I wish it would boil down to, like, followers on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Doom finally gets more... He has ten more followers than me. Doom would definitely have more followers than Reed, first of all. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doom would be into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Reed would not... His tweets wouldn't necessarily make sense. He'd be in bursts. Yeah. yeah, it would be like like what I think would happen there is like <laughs> Doom would immediately figure out social marketing and have the most followers, but then Reed would invent the perfect smartphone. Yeah, right. Yeah, that would that you like, could read Doom's tweets on, which or, would infuriate <laughs> Doom. Yeah, or would naturally Doom like, would also them. hate all his followers. Oh yeah, anyone retweet me? Like, you shouldn't retweet me, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bah! What means a retweet to Doom? <laughs> tell everyone to stop following him, which would just get him more followers. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Apocalypse would be bad on Twitter. Would he be bad on Twitter? Um, yeah. No, he would. No, he would go. He'd be like the the Rob Liefeld type that would just go on like a rant for like well, thirty tweets and then not tweet for a week. Yeah. Well, or I mean, I feel like Apocalypse. Just his whole mo. Yeah. Is pretty. Uh, I feel like he would. Who is the most misogynistic homophobic on Twitter person on Twitter? I feel like Apocalypse would follow that trajectory of just like your jeans are so dirty. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Sending, like, he'd be the Chris beans. Brown. He'd be like Chris Brown. Yeah, there'd be but there would be like a Team Breezy for Apocalypse yeah. that would just be like no. Team Pocky. Yeah, that's how they take him down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take take people down by that. Who'd be who'd be the best? Wait, about wait, Loki. Loki'd be great on Twitter. Yeah, because he's a master of words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's his thing. Well, he's a, he has an iPad. He'd be great on Twitter, Tumblr. Yeah, does he'd Loki... be all over all the social media, and yeah. he would, everyone would love him. Yeah, because he's a sweet talker too. Yeah. Oh yeah, he would. He would. Uh, Loki's Tumblr would be like several, like like 
the most perfect puppy pictures every day with every right yeah. tag, and he'd get like yeah. six thousand notes. Enchantress would be pretty good because she's all about just like yeah. you know, she's a hot woman and she knows oh, yeah. to say to people. She'd be good on Instagram. Every now and then there'd be that one angry tweet about Thor, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, real, you'd really enjoy reading her tweets. Yeah, yeah. Kingpin probably wouldn't be bothered really in this. Stuff. No, he no. would have a, he would have someone else tweeting for him, yeah. and you could just tell. Fisk Industries would have it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then there'd be like a KP. For any yeah, time yeah. it was like right. his written by him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you probably shouldn't sign things Kingpin. <laughs> WF, man. What are you doing? They know me as Kingpin. <laughs> no, no I'm the Kingpin of Twitter. They understand. <laughs> Supposed to deny this. What if uh, the Venom symbiote? I think. Doesn't know, I guess it probably knows English. I don't know. Doesn't sp- does it ever speak? It's, it, well. When it's loose, it, it doesn't speak. It makes things, it makes people say brains. That's no. That's a good question. How, does it speak I don't when think, it's I don't, I think it screams. Yeah. yeah. Well, is that what it did? Spider Man Three was scream. I can't even. remember. I mean, it definitely is scream. I mean, I don't. Maybe it doesn't. It feels like it screams when in those old issues where yeah. Peter's trying to get it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But whenever it attaches to someone, it always makes them say the same like kind of stock um, phrases. Right. But it's like, sort of like the way a parasite attaches okay, to someone yeah. else's brain and then speaks through them okay. in a way. Mm-hmm. Vulture wouldn't tweet, but he, he would be really funny if he did. Old man, oh, I'm yeah, yeah, be great. He'd be like kind of like David Letterman. I like when I it'd went, be when like I... it would be like eight. It would be eight tweets that are supposed to be direct messages yeah. to oh, yeah. someone else, and four <laughs> of them are misspellings of just the one that he meant to DM. <laughs> That's Adrian Toomes. He'd be great. Yeah, That'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun to read. I mean, we could start talking about we talking about villains and successful villains. Yeah, and I feel like in a recent issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, here we go. A villain got pretty successful. Yeah. Sure. Now, uh, are we allowed to talk about it direct? Because when yes. is this going up? Now, this is going up on Sunday. So, we, But we can spoil it? People well, it's are... been out a week. So, I mean, we could say, spoiler alerts. Yeah. If you haven't read, what issue number is it? This is 698. Yeah. We've flat out read Amazing Spider-Man. You should read it first. Read it first. Pause. <laughs> read it. It'll, it won't take you that long. No. You might want to reread it again then, and then talk. Yeah. To yeah. Uh, yeah. Read it twice. Read it the first time. I'll read say, the ending, and then reread it, knowing the ending. This yeah. is the first issue in a long time that I read immediately again because I wanted to. Oh yeah. See how and it, and it works. Yeah. So uh, you're you're Kev. You're a pretty big spoiler. Spoilers start now. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Spoilers. Spoiler shields are on. Kev, he Doctor Octopus. <laughs> Peter Parker is Spider Man. What? <laughs> That's the spoiler. Oh wait, I think I read the wrong one. Uh, we were reading Amazing Fantasy fifteen, right? Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Civil uh, War number two. <laughs> you've had forty some years, fifty some years, fifty. Uh, so so you're, you're you're a pretty big Spider Man yeah. fan as well. Uh, what, do you, what did you think? What, I would what say did you think of what happened? The two biggest Spider Man fans I know. Does your brother rank in this? Um, and he's a big Spider-Man fan too. I don't know where we would compare to each other. But you're I've read more Spider-Man than him. You're bigger than. I okay. I, Quantity I, I win. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at a point in my life now too where like I am not allowed to uh, drink and then check my comic shop.com auctions because <laughs> pretty much every month they have they have most of the first fifty issues of Amazing Spider-Man in an auction, and Whoa. I got I got Whoa. drunk I got drunk and bid like seventy five dollars that I don't have right now on uh, on Ramita's first issue, yeah, the one where yeah. Goblin's pulling him away, and I was like, I want to have this, and then I woke up the next day and I was like, if I win this. I am screwed. <laughs> no, that's worth it. I, uh, I, I'm also the worst person to ask about yeah. this. Uh, I just spent a lot of money on 
Hulk 180. That's so true. I, own I don't buy a lot of old issues, but I do. Ugh. I do have the Ditko omnibus uh, uh, of the first 33 issues. Yeah. And I don't like omnibuses. They're too big. They're hard to sit and read. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just like, I have to own that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to have every issue of Ditko in color in a volume. I just something. I was like, that's for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's made that for me, and yeah. I need to buy it. Yeah. And I've never. <laughs> I've flipped through it like once. I want to like read all the letters pages, but I'm just like, I'm never going to because I have to like get a kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad I own it. Yeah. It's on the bottom shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so six ninety eight. Uh, yeah. what, uh, what, what, what did you think? I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah, I liked. it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was curious. The anticipation been... and build up for this has been ridiculous. I've yeah. been bugging Brett for a very long time about how into how much I was looking forward yeah. to this. Yeah. I wasn't enjoying the Alpha storyline that preceded it. Yeah, um, and I was worried that somehow he was going to tie really big into this big reveal. And I was Me like, oh, I'm not going to be into that because I. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my thing. And when that storyline got wrapped up, I'm like, oh, well, maybe I will really like this. Yeah. And so I really liked it. Should we say what it is just so we yeah, can really I, talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So so in 698, um, uh, uh, the first part of a story arc called Dying Wish, uh, Dr. Octopus is on, in, on, uh, on his deathbed, yeah. basically, and... The uh, he, he's about to flatline, and he whispers Peter Parker's name, and the guards freak out. Contact the Avengers, who contact Spider-Man to let him know that Doc is about to die, and he's whispering his name. And uh, Peter's behaving kind of oddly in a way that someone feels in a way that seems like someone who wants to turn around their life, right? Yeah. And when Peter finally arrives as Spider-Man to talk to Doc Ock. He reveals that, in fact, uh, Peter's brain is trapped in the body of Dr. Octopus. And Dr. Octopus has transferred his own mind into Peter's body. And he says, I will not tell you how I did this as Doc Ock's body dies yeah. with Peter's yeah. consciousness and in it. Doesn't only, die though; they they resuscitate him, right? Or is it? They're just trying animal? to resuscitate yeah. him, but they yeah. walk out as so we don't. Yeah, know. we don't know yet. Yeah, uh, and also he says, "I have all of your memories. Right. I know everything you knew. I have your life and everything that comes with it." So yeah. this avoids that like kind of tropey. He'd, he'd be thing. caught immediately otherwise, or he yeah. should be caught immediately. It's yeah. a tropey thing of anytime anyone switches bodies, like in Buffy, when Buffy and Faith switch bodies, there's this whole like learning curve yeah. section yeah. where and where it would just be a chameleon story with Doctor Octopus. Yeah, if yeah. This he didn't is, have that. That's a new twist on it. I feel like having the memories. I have all your memories. Like I, yeah, I, that's I, what I've makes won. it fun. Yeah, yeah. Here's what was interesting. So the whole storyline reading up, Spider Man's acting like a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, and then on reading it again, he seems like a really big, big jerk. But yeah. like I was, as I was reading it, like I just kept finding myself like justifying this. Yeah. Like, like there's a moment where he's telling Mary Jane he wants to get back together with her. I'm like, good for Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she walks away, and he kind of winks at these other girls. Yeah, and he goes, ladies. And I read that as like a joke. Yeah, yeah. I took it as like, oh, he's just. He's kind of making fun of himself. Yeah. yeah. And now I read it again, I'm like, oh, Doc Ock's a sort of skis bag. He yeah. is. Well, I mean, he's been in... He's been in we know what Doc Ock has yeah. looked like. Even at his best. Yeah, he's yeah. still... He's a tubby... He's still Alfred Molina. Sad-looking man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he's not even as good-looking as Alfred Molina. No, not at he all. Wishes. He <laughs> yeah. wishes he looked like Alfred Molina. <laughs> yeah, he watched the movie and was like, whoa, <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> they, really made it, they made Doc Ock look great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess Doc Ock, and this is more like Paul Giamatti and Danny DeVito, had a baby. That's what Doc yeah. looks like, kind of. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, I just, I had to go back and reread it, because I'm like, 
he must have written it because he must have written this with a Doc Ock voice. And it is like even um, grabbing the issue out of oh, your hands. Now, no. <laughs> and I'm licking pages. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kevin turns his pages by uh, licking tongue. the bottom corner. It's yeah. the only clean way to Kevin do it. Kevin has no thumbs. Um, there's this like, he uses bigger words than Spider Man. He does. Um, like even when he yeah, even when he, he stops a he stops a robber at the beginning of the story and barely quipping smashes the guy in the face and then when he swings away from the police officer the police officer is like wait we still need to you to come yeah. around he's like no I don't think so yeah I have a life yeah there's a line here where he's just like talking about his inventions those were mere trifles yeah well, that's not Peter Parker's voice yeah. but I didn't notice that when reading it. Yeah, oh, like, which really... sort of tells me, like, someone wrote this character wrong. Maybe I wouldn't notice, despite <laughs> being one of the biggest fans Brett yeah. knows. But now I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's Doc Ock saying trifles. Peter doesn't say trifles. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, like, when he's swinging away, the cop is like, but I still need you to come down here and fill station and fill out some... I, no, I don't think so. Wait, why? Because I have a life. Yeah. Like, and again, too, you can read that in a way, like, I think Slot did a really good job uh, with this script, because you read that in one way, and you're like, oh... That's a joke. Yeah, if you because it wouldn't work as well. Uh, maybe depending on the delivery, might really throw it off, right? Yeah, uh, but like you give it your own delivery, works really well in comics. Like here yeah. he's talking about yes. Aunt May, that dear sweet woman. Like it's a weird thing for Peter to say now. I think about yeah. it. But like I read it first, it's like oh he loves his aunts. Yeah, but it's like no, Doc Ock almost married her. Yeah, and he's saying like now he's saying like another old guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also love like that Dan Slott kind of also makes you not even suspect that his brain might have been switched because he really hits the memory aspect a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Like, out of nowhere, you're getting the face at Tiger, you just hit the jackpot moment again. Um, but it, look, when you know that it's Doc Ock, you're kind of reading it as if Doc Ock is remembering these things for the first time. Like, he's like... You know, like, that's like, the first time he's accessed that memory. Yeah, and he's like, like he's oh. Like, it's like he's kind of like looking at Peter Parker's, like, I don't know, laptop, and he's like, what's this? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why don't I do he's something? He's going back like through that? his Facebook profile yeah. and yeah. he's looking at old status updates. Yeah. Uh, so I think Slot really did a great job on this issue. Oh, with that. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact that, like, he wrote it just Doc Ock enough. Yeah. For, like, you to see it if you're looking for it. Yeah. But not so much that I think it's in your face. Yeah. And and again, too, I think you, you hit it on the head. Like, it, this this shows that Dan Slott is a really great comic writer because he understands the medium. And he knows that if this were this were a cartoon, if this were a live-action show, yeah. the delivery would be different immediately and you would know something's up. You'd know something immediately. Yeah, yeah but because well, you read it in your head and you interpret the voice the way that yeah. you hear... That character. Which, and I'm waiting, and hopefully this will happen soon, is that characters will notice that he's acting a little differently. Yeah. Because he is acting a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he's not acting absurdly, he's not acting super villainous. Yeah. He's just, I don't know, he is, you'd notice it. If you spent a lot, in, like, you're, uh, whatever, you're on the Avengers with him. They seem to just sit around having dinner all the time when I read Avengers issues. Yeah. So Venice, yeah. They, yeah, must, yeah. <laughs> they must notice, they, they hang out with him. Earth's yeah. mightiest brunchers. But he won't yeah. be as funny. Did Doctor Octopus as annoying. like? Yeah. Did he inherit? He's like Doctor Octopus. Like Peter Parker hates cabbage. Doctor Octopus loves cabbage. Like I mean, now that he has those memories, do yeah. memories affect how you remember? Like enjoying weird things like food. <laughs> now we're getting into the science of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that a physical? Like some well, things this... are right because like if you uh, if some people are physically cilantro tastes yeah horrible to them yeah that's yeah. a physical thing. Uh, yeah. Did you guys did you guys ever watch Alias? 
Um, I never do. Do you care if I spoil something from I Aliens? I don't care. It's okay. Uh, well, I, Sydney Bristow's roommate gets uh, switched out um, with like you know someone who can all, like they genetically morph someone's face and all that. And they like into spice. So they like read up. They know everything about their roommate and. Uh, I think Sydney, like a- the alias, Sydney the alias, <laughs> suspects something and is like eating ice cream, coffee ice cream. And Francie's like, "Oh, can I have a taste?" And she's like, "Sure." And Francie eats it. She's like, mm, "That's good." And then in Sydney's head, she's like, "Okay." Gets up, walks to her bedroom to get her gun. And then you can see like the Francie, the spy, the uh, the double is like you can see it like the look on her face, like, "Oh shit." Yeah. And the next line that she says is, Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. And then they beat the <laughs> shit out of each other. Oh, man. It's, like, it's, really it's cool. a really cool like twist like that. In what's going to help Doc Ock, because I don't think people get that close to Peter Parker. Oh, yeah. that's like, He's got best friends, but like yeah. it's like Flash Thompson and Harry Osborn, yeah. who are both kind of MIA right now anyway. Yeah. And P.S., uh, his two best friends are people that hated him. Yeah. Uh, started out hating and he's hating him and, and he's even, never around he doesn't hang out with people it's like and even I as wouldn't close, know even as, as close as he is to Johnny Storm like he wouldn't know no I feel like well Johnny, Johnny Storm Storm's knows, character P- knows know. Spider-Man better than he knows yes, Peter Parker yeah like he's been, like Spider-Man is like Spider-Man is friends with Carol Danvers like Mary Peter Jane's Parker. the only one who's <gasps> gotta be able to figure this out cause she knows guys, him better than anyone guys can yeah. we talk about Mary Jane <laughs> have I talked to you guys about what I wish they did with uh, Mary Jane. And no, because we didn't get we didn't get to we didn't get to talk to you about comic book stuff because it was all interviewing oh, Chris Robertson. Chris Robertson. Um, one of the coolest retcons, in my opinion, is the retcon that Mary Jane always knew that Peter yeah. was Spider Man. That she saw him climb out the window, <coughs> an Amazing Fantasy fifteen. She saw him climb out the window. And was like the neighbor kid Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, she's always known and just never said anything, which I think is a really cool story that they never could use because it was retroactively done yeah other than in a few places like untold tales spider-man did an issue where they got to play with that um and, oh that was a great it, issue great issue Wait, and maybe issue? Sorry. untold uh, tales of spider-man I don't know i think it's we're like gonna read that 20, on this show maybe it's issue 25 oh, who's that 20. girl that's what it's called yeah, right it's all from mary jane's point of view and it's basically here going what's his deal yeah. yeah. Why is this guy putting his life at risk? Because uh, because all of Untold Tales ha- happens, all the entire series happens before Mary Jane even shows up. Yeah. Okay. In Amazing initially. Met. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it's really interesting. Did you guys... And in some places I think that get... They, they never got a chance to play with that really. Because yeah. when they found out, now Peter knows and she knows. So I was hoping with this whole magical Peter's identity gets erased that Mary Jane would know he was Spider-Man but Peter wouldn't know she knew. Yeah, because yeah. like she whispered something, right? And I'm bringing back comics people don't like. Yeah, she whispered something she in Mephisto, and I was hoping she was whispering, "I get to remember." Did we reveal? No, she, no, she did. No, no was... she didn't. Is that what? No, they I, did I, in, I uh, swear that's what it was because she still knows. She still knows, but not because of that. She knows because of some Doctor Strange spell. Oh well, I like, thought P- Peter pulled her in. Peter wanted her to remember. Yeah. Oh, oh, I missed that. Uh, she whispered something Maybe else. I just like, chose uh, um, <laughs> she whispered, I think that. Nobody like undo the identity thing, but not that I get to know. Like nobody fixes identity problem. Oh, I think is what she whispered. Really? But I wanted it to be like, I want to. I want to be the only one who remembers. Yeah, yeah that's what I assumed. That's I always. And, that's, and it's cool that he's got someone to talk yeah. to about Spider Man. But like, even in this issue where she makes an excuse for Peter to get away. Yeah, I would love if that happened without Peter knowing. Yeah, and he, here's why. All this is because like. Mary Jane's this party girl, right? That's what her original character is. She's a party girl, too cool for school. Uh, and one of the like one of the things that could draw Peter to her is the idea that like 
with every other girl I date, I'm lying and I'm sneaking around. And this girl yeah. just doesn't give me any grief. Yeah. She's never yeah. like, why weren't you at dinner? Because she knows. Well, that's kind of how Bendis took the ultimate version, in a way. Like, because she yeah. knew immediately. Like, yeah, she's 13. 13. But I think yeah. it, there's something fun about Peter not knowing, where he's yeah. just like, oh, she's just cool. Yeah. And really, it's like, no, I just know you're saving people. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost, oh, my the weight on yeah. my shoulders is... I'm holding it for you. I'm not telling you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have. You know. You don't want to tell me. You don't need to. Because that but I'll still take care him. of you. Yeah. yeah. I, There's I, something really cool about that in my mind. God, they're great together. Now, uh, guys, they're uh, bring great your attention together. to Spectacular Spider-Man the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And which I don't know if you guys have watched. I've only seen uh, the first that. like six episodes. Love that show. Great. There's moments in that cartoon where. Uh, it feels like Mary Jane might know. She's yeah. whenever, whenever like his girlfriends or friends are complaining about Peter, Mary Jane's always like, "Don't worry about it." Which could be she's just a relaxed party girl, doesn't care, or it could be she knows. Yeah, which the show never will get the reveal. <coughs> they did that with Captain Stacy to some extent. Like Captain Stacy knows, and Peter doesn't know that Captain Stacy. He suspects he might know. Yeah, yeah. and he Captain Stacy would make excuses all the time. Yeah, and he didn't find out until Captain Stacy was dying in his right. arms, and he yeah. said, "Peter, you have to take care of my." And daughter. even then, in the in the comic, he's like, "Peter's like, did he realize, or was he just hallucinating?" Like, yeah, he died. Peter still wasn't sure. Even at the end, though, yeah. all us fans assume he knew. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it could be really cool. The idea of like Captain Stacy, like in the cartoon, now I'm re- referencing. Uh, Captain Stacy at some moment Peter's like ah, I need to go he's like to get photos Peter's like yeah to get photos go ahead Peter yeah and it's like <laughs> you're letting him go save people yeah cool man it's cool <laughs> anyway uh, it all comes back to like I they like, should be together I want Mary Jane to be cool I want yeah. them to be together well I you know I thought I legitimately thought that that it's was the status quo and I think I missed that they talked about it. I mean, <clears> there was knows. there was a at the end of Spider Island when he basically saves everything and Mary Jane is watching him from like 20 feet yeah. away and whispers mm-hmm. I love you yeah uh, I was moment. like I, I was like oh, do you man. are they soulmates what do you guys think like who sh- if of all the female or male characters we've ever been introduced to in the Spider-Man mythos or Marvel universe who does Spider-Man belong with most I think Mary Jane's his best girlfriend uh, throughout the comics I agree um, that being said I don't think they're gonna put him back together for, not as long as slots on because I think part of this whole undoing their marriage is that they can't be happy together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't think they're going to get back together. So don't get your heart set on it. Uh, I guess. It's uh, but I think she is the soulmate. Um, my problem with Gwen, which a lot of people is probably the second choice or yes. first choice for a lot of people, is that she was a little too perfect. Well, and also she was she was his girlfriend when the storytelling wasn't as mature. Well, not only that, she was his girlfriend when he was eighteen. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, think of your girlfriend when you were eighteen. She Um, was in for a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) But but seriously though, uh, (laughs) and you know, it's it definitely varies based on like when you started reading Spider Man. I'm sure there is someone. I'm well, sure someone out there that is like, wait, what happened to, uh, I, I can't even remember the... Deborah Whitman. Carly. Yeah, yeah, Deborah <laughs> Whitman. like Carly Cooper. Carly Cooper. Um, yeah, for me, like, when I started reading, he was dating Black Cat. Yeah. And so I, I do have a soft spot for the Black Cat, because there's something really fun about putting the that on its edge, right? The idea of, like, she knew, he, she knew Spider-Man, she didn't know who he was. Yeah. She w- didn't know Peter Parker when I was reading. Yeah, yeah. She's like, who are you under this costume? And then when she found out, she didn't like him. Yeah. She didn't like Peter Parker. She's like, just stay in costume. Yeah. Well, it's, it's I, love, interesting. I do love Black Cat. So, I really like the recent thing with Daredevil. 
Yeah. I loved all of that. Yeah. Really great. That was uh, just so fun. to me, like, there's a tiny part of my Spider-Man heart that's always like, I like it with Black Cat. But that's not a soulmate. Yeah. That was like your hot girlfriend that yeah. you're like, ooh, wonder what that could have been. And it's like, it wouldn't have worked out. Well, it's, it's, like a, it's like a groupie. Yeah, it, it was Black oh, Cat. Yeah, Black Cat was like a, the the coolest groupie. She went good ever. for him. She could protect herself. Yeah, she could share that side of his life that he had no one else to share it with. Yeah, he really didn't at that time. He wasn't as close to Johnny. He wasn't close to Daredevil. He didn't really have superhero oh, yeah. friends. Yeah, he wasn't on every other superhero team yet. Yeah, I should I shouldn't say groupie. Uh, I feel like that's a derogatory term. But like, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like well, someone, she, someone who's like, she was I'm in love with, power. I'm in love with your uh, stage persona. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But then off stage, I do not. You're not as cool as I want you to be. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, can, can I? Uh, uh, I'm gonna now. I'm gonna ramble more. I was thinking about this today because I was thinking about coming here and talking to you guys about Spider-Man. Yes. Um, <laughs> and the reason they undid the marriage is because which is I that think, why you wore a red sweatshirt and blue no. jeans? <laughs> no, it was just it's my warmest sweatshirt. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking about, they undid the marriage because part of Spider-Man is that he can't be happy. Yeah. He's got to struggle. And even though I think they never wrote the marriage well, I agree with that in the yeah. long run. It's like, he is better off single. <laughs> uh, he wouldn't work divorced or widowed. Yeah. So, whatever they had to do to get him there, in the long run it makes sense. But, to me, like, Spider-Man has to struggle. And it's weird that Dan Slott has taken away a lot of his other struggles. Yeah. yeah. Even before this, like, he's got a good job. Yeah. His social life is better than it's ever been. Uh, he, he, Spider-Man's career is going great. He's yeah. on the Avengers. He's on the Fantastic Four or Future Foundation or whatever. Like, yeah, like I he's think not was, struggling. Yeah, but I think that was part of like when uh, Brand New Day ended and Slot took over as the sole writer in Big Time. Like, I feel like the whole point of the Big Time status quo that we've been in for I don't know 100 issues now was was not things are going to go okay for him for a little while. Yeah, but I think with this but, with six ninety eight, like. If or when Peter Parker comes back, which he 100% will, because, duh, uh, he, it's gonna be that great thing of, like, oh, Dr. Octopus either fucked up my life beyond repair or lived my life better than I could. And I feel like Superior Spider-Man, when Peter Parker comes back, is going to probably push him really far down. It'll be interesting. But but what I think is interesting, even during this 100 issues where everything's going great, he struggles nonstop. Yeah, everything like he's always has problems. It's like you Isn't you that, could have had oh man you could have had him married yeah. and still had problems that weren't Mary Jane problems. Yeah, like he's not yeah. having future foundation problems or uh, what's the uh, Horizon Lab right, problems. Yeah. yeah, he's not really having problems there. Uh, minor, minor, tiny ones, but for the most part, it's going great. So like he could be married and not have problems. Yeah, and you could still have him like oh, nothing goes right for me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going home to my beautiful wife. Because like now he's like, nothing's going right for me. Well, I'm going to go to my dream job. And, then and my amazing apartment. Yeah, yeah. his apartment is, yeah. is, he, is he living in Tribeca? I, uh, I'm blanking at the moment. Yeah. It's but ridiculous. It's Anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't live in New York, they understand, but they don't really understand. Yeah, yeah. When we watch Friends and we read Spider-Man, we're like, what? Yeah. Like, you, like, I didn't understand how insane the apartment in Friends was until yeah. I moved to New York. Like, because, you know, it's I grew up in a house. It's outer boroughs. So. Even reading... It is insane for where they said it, which is the East Village. It's West still, Village. West still Village. a little insane. It's Greenwich. Nice. I'm sorry, Greenwich Village. Very yeah. nice. None of them work. <laughs> no. They're not doing well. No, they... Okay, well... Ugh, Two of them work. No, no they all have jobs. <laughs> they don't make good money. Uh, well, Monica's a chef. She is that they don't chefs don't make good money. Until she becomes a head chef, she's not making good money. Yeah, uh, chefs. Do, I'm married to a chef. Yeah, she's not making good money. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Chandler might be making good money. 
Rachel is Ross is, but we don't really see his place. Uh, Ross is making mad yeah, Waitress cash. at a coffee shop. Yeah, she's not doing well. Nobody's doing well. Phoebe's uh, not doing well. Phoebe's a masseuse. And you know not Rachel well. has, like, massive credit card debt, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, None because of them are doing she well. was a spender. And Chandler's paying for both parts of his apartment, because Joey's not paying yeah. much. Speaking it's of soulmates, funny. by the way, I hate, hate, hate that Ross and Rachel ended up together on Friends. Okay. Because Spoiler alerts for Friends. <laughs> they're terrible. They're terrible for each no, other. The only reason great. those two are together is because... because we want them together. The, yeah. America. Yeah, yeah that's it. So we're going to that. force you into a shotgun It's something weird that comics can avoid better than TV shows. That if they'd gotten together in season four and stayed together for the rest of the time, you'd be like, all right. But because yeah. they waited so long, it just felt like, no... They weren't in love. Like they had too many problems. They were in love for an episode here, an episode there. It just it. They were kept apart too long. Yeah. Uh, because like uh, um, you watch the season two, they work great together. They break up pretty quickly. Yeah. And if they had repaired that and gotten back together, I don't know. Watch a show like where couples get together and stay. Like you know, The Office. Yeah. The American Office did a good job of delaying them, and then they got together, and now they're together forever. And Jim and yeah. Pan. Yeah. 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 Uh, and if they didn't. Well, and like, this is you at a certain point. It's like, well, Jim. If Jim dates her, like, let's say they didn't date whenever they started dating, season uh, end of two, beginning of three, three, uh, maybe three. Let's or say four. they did before. Yeah, let's say they still weren't together. At this point, it'd be like, no, yeah, yeah. You waited seven years. Like, yeah. it's not. I don't buy it now. See, yeah. this is the weird thing about because the thing, the difference between comics and television. The obvious difference is that te- television gets a definitive end. Yeah. Whereas comics are going to go forever. Right. Yeah. And it, that is where these relationships get really, really shaky. Like, I think Invisible Woman and, Mis- and Mr. Fantastic are, are they the only couple that has not Oh, no, there, there are problems. They, I mean, they, they have broken. problems, but no, they're they've still... they've broken up before. But like, they still, but they're always... But, the, but their status quo is together. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, like, in most the, couples where their status quo is not together. Like, yeah. in, like, around 150 <clears throat> or, like, 175, somewhere in there, she literally left him for Namor. Like, like, <laughs> like left, left, left the team, left right. the family. Just from a lot... Namor has got to be a really, like, hot lover because uncomfortable living situation for him. <laughs> Indeed. Like, why would you... I would not... <clears throat> okay, Colin Malloy, sexiest celebrity, lead singer of the Decemberists... <laughs> Only part, like, I don't know, probably the only person I'm allowed to cheat on my boyfriend with. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Well, I, we've talked about this, I think. I think he's... You mean there might be more, I or maybe not that one? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like if he comes and is like, hey, I live in the ocean, <laughs> do you want to come live with me yeah. in the ocean? It's like, yeah. well, you're incredibly sexy. I'm still not going to live in the ocean with you. That's fair. Did she move to the ocean with Namor? I think that she did. <laughs> uh, I, he's it, exotic. Yeah, it's I been guess. a really long time. When, since when you're I read when this. you're uh, the Invisible Woman, there's not a lot that's exotic to you. You've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, but he is. You know, there's not Atlanteans. You don't see a lot of. Yeah, that's that true. stays exotic. Uh, this know. is the thing uh, that I posited on Twitter today. Was in my head, uh, the Invisible Woman is the Michelle Obama of the Marvel Universe. Like when I saw Michelle Obama give her speech sure. at the DNC, I and mean, she was considered like Jackie O back. Yeah, then, I was like, like I was yeah. like, they were like the first family. In terms of like, I was like, I, Invisible Woman needs to be written like. Michelle Obama, like straight up, uh, and I was like then wondering who is the Hillary Clinton of the Marvel universe, <laughs> hmm. and I would say maybe um, Storm when she's written more aggressive and take charge, which is not that often nowadays. Uh, she has been. I haven't read a great Storm story. Uh, Brian Woods' run on X Men that flew really under the radar was fantastic, and only like eight issues. And he had he basically had Storm. I've talked about this run so much on this podcast, but it's brilliant. David Lopez art, it's so great. 
And it's just a nice self-contained story that isn't affected with anything else larger than just those eight issues. And it's Storm going on a mission for the good of mutant kind, and Colossus is like, we have to report to Cyclops. She's like, no, I don't trust Cyclops with this information. We're not telling him. And that's, I love that. Like, yeah. I love, like, Storm being like, I don't need <clears throat> to run everything by this guy. Yeah. I know my shit. I'm Storm. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, She's one of the big guns now. Like, her Wolverine and Cyclops. Like, you know, some guys have been around longer, but they've just never taken yeah. ownership of the anything. So, like, Beast and Iceman have been around a while. They don't have that no, yeah. deal to them. Yeah. Storm is... Storm was a leader for a long time. So, like... Claremont loves his Storm. Yeah. Maybe. You don't think, well, no, I guess Carol Danvers is a little too right-wing, right, to be... I don't, how right-wing or, is Carol not, Danvers? Not right-wing, but a little, she's, she, she has like, that sort of military brat up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Theoretically, she would probably be right-wing, but I don't know if she's written that way. No. Well, and also, I mean... I think most comic book writers, most, not all, are pretty liberal. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to veer yeah. that way. But even if Carol Danvers, I find it super hard to believe that any superheroes would be, uh, like, I don't know anti-gay marriage or yeah. anti-like women's rights like i feel like if you're a superhero and your primary job is like u.s physically agent. like saving people yeah. why well, you'd be like i'm gonna save you but you still can't get me like i don't know they could only be conservative like newsroom conservatives like yeah, yeah. Right? that magic kind of conservatism that's like uh, i believe in the core concepts but not all the outlying concepts yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I know people had problems with, like, Carol Danvers came on the side of, I mean, I feel like Civil War is the closest you're going to get to seeing where heroes lie politically, but even Carol Danvers sided with the registration, but she was not happy about it. Yeah. Like, she did it because I think she values, uh, I don't know, she values, like, order and government. Like, she just trusts, she has that innate, like, trust. Uh, but she got burned with that. She really hated doing that. That was, like, one of the things, like, the follow-up that was like, ah, didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's the so, Condoleezza so Rice. So Spider-Man, that was a great issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm on board with it, and I know that um, we've we've talked to some people who uh, definitely do not care for this. Well, I don't, there were people on Twitter being like, you ruined 50 years of continuity, dance slot, which oh, no, I'm like, well, you, no, yeah, you're an idiot. No. Uh, right. I feel like I feel like if you're going to argue that do, Ben you, Riley would have been the thing to yeah. Ben Riley is a better chance of because it was exactly. saying he was a clone the whole time. Yeah, but even that didn't ruin anything. No, it's just like it's a story. Like, the thing is, I feel like when people get that mad, people are forgetting that. Like if they, you, if they get that mad, they I mean, let's say that guy's like never going to read Spider Man again. Then he was on the edge of never yeah. reading it. Something was going to upset that guy. Yeah. Okay, so check this out. Uh, <laughs> I. I was in love. I uh, loved Amazing Spider-Man 400. Moved me to tears when it came out. I, I cried. I wrote Amazing. Yes, great, great, uh, great issue in the in the midst of a lot of not. Great. Wrote a wrote a letter. Had it published in issue 409 oh, or 407. Oh, we gotta look that up. Do you want to read that on air? Collectors right now? alert! Yeah. Collectors uh, alert! Go on eBay. <laughs> yeah. 11 was it? Yeah. So so I so that was that was 1994 1995 that yeah. that that letter was published. Uh, three years later, when Aunt May. When they announced that Aunt May was going to be resurrected because of Spider-Man Chapter 1, they were bringing her back. It turns out that was just an actress. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff that happened. <laughs> That's what I never do. I'm a... It's an actress? Yeah. Yes. What? The uh, yeah, moment was between him and a great actress. <laughs> yeah. Right? It and, does, yeah. Uh, cool. She was so great that uh, Peter Parker, uh, who was raised by this, so it's like it's like finding out your mom is an actress yeah. right now. So, yes, it's ridiculous. I got a handwritten letter in the mail 
on stationery. Uh, like, not on stationery, but like lined, uh, college lined uh, notebook paper in pen. And this guy I've never met before. Right? I was like, who the hell is this? And he's like, hey, how's it going? Um, I know that you had a letter published in Amazing Spider-Man 407 years ago. Did they printed your address or you something? You did not uh, your address. I don't think that not I have. did. Uh, or if I did, that he just like that's found creepier. me, which is no, even in creepier. The, in the 90s, that is impossible and creepy. Yeah, so, so he finds me, and he sends me this and says, do you know that they're bringing Aunt May back? This is a travesty. Can you believe this? Oh. Uh, it, I, we, we're, we're organizing a coalition to oh, like man. to protest this. Yeah. And this was my very first interaction. Uh, well, no. My second ever interaction with comics on the internet. Uh, so this is 1998. I, uh, I signed up for a board that he mentions, he mentions in the letter, right? So I signed up for this board... And I, I posted, and I was like, hey, uh, I got a letter from someone over here. Um, <laughs> I got a handwritten letter, you creeps. Yeah, so, I, I, like, I think it sucks, but I understand why Marvel is doing it because have money. And you have to have Aunt May around. Yeah. You know, Aunt May is, like, I'm upset, but eventually we're going to forget about this, and they're going to make more great Aunt May And there'll be another great Aunt stories. May death issue someday. Yeah. yeah. So That's just the way it is. I, my or thread, a bad one, I don't know. Yeah. My thread had no replies, and there was another thread complaining about Aunt May that had something like 75 complaints in it, and I was like, oh... Oh, that's how yeah. that's how it works on the internet. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, I liked uh, the stories where Aunt May found out he was Spider Man. Those were amazing. Oh god, both JMS's was, yeah. and James DeMatteis did one where they were going through a photo <clears throat> album yeah. together, and I loved both those stories so much that when she didn't know anymore, I was like, "That's sad to me." No, that's the yeah. worst. But, I feel like that was like a huge step back for a character. Yeah, I loved but it. But at the same time, it's like it makes sense. Like it is a status yeah. quo that every movie, every adaption, she's never gonna know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of parents knowing in comics. I think there's more fun to be had. Yeah, yeah. Than like sneaking. That's why I loved about. I get bored of sneaking around. Stories, yeah, that's why I loved yeah. about with. Uh, I mean, Buffy, like season three of Buffy. After spoiler alert for Buffy, when Joyce finds out, not a spoiler. We should have warned all these yeah. at the top of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't read this if you haven't read Amazing Fantasy 15, Amazing Spider-Man 698, uh, Buffy season two, Alias season four, season two, season, season two. two. Oh man, oh, Friends season ten. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Ruining it, things for somebody who's been saving everything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. why are you listening to a podcast? <laughs> I'm waiting. I have all this pop culture. I'm waiting till I retire. <laughs> I'm just gonna just gonna listen everything. to podcasts, and then at the end, I'll watch everything. Podcasts, but they get mad when they spoil things for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though I'm still that seeing one guy, it. man, he's really ruining it for. Me. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? I, don't know, uh, I can't. Well, that no, was just funny when Joyce was like, "I'm gonna take one oh, pack yeah. of lunch for you." Like that was fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I like, even when she just got upset about it. Yeah. You can't go out there and fight vampires anymore, Buffy. And she's like, I'm going I mean, to. That, that was a great episode. You walk That's out season, of this, you walk out of yeah, this house, don't come back. Two finale, oh, sorry. Oh, man, such a good where show. Buffy's like, How many times have you washed blood out of my clothes without asking any questions? Yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So good. And and that was something like Aunt May happened. She's like, I should have known. She's like, yeah. it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it all happens. Yeah. I love those were great issues. I think JMS's run was really great. I mean it had bumps, but I loved it. Yeah. I, I did too. The the, 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 the first the first half of it, it, it started to 
Yeah. Once uh, once he got into the new Avengers, at the end there, it started to sort of peter out from it. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> Zounds. No, that's quite a that's Parker quite out. a thwip I had. <laughs> uh, uh, oh God. God. Yeah. Even Everyone worse. just stop listening to the podcast. I can see <laughs> yeah, here. The, the numbers dropped to zero. Yeah. <laughs> We're still <laughs> recording it, but I can see. <laughs> no one's listening. Whatever. Um. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it just yeah. uh, it, it, like I really liked. It was such a breath of fresh air, too, yeah. considering the sort of quagmire that that the that the books were in at yeah. that time, too. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I thought, I mean, he handled that. The Aunt May thing reminds me of even, like, bringing Bucky back. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, like, it was one of those things where when I, you read about online how it happened, like, he's like, I want to do this. And, like, one of the editors sat down and was like, all right. How yeah. are you going to deal with it? Are you going to deal with yeah. the ramifications? That are you going to do that, this? And it's like, they did. Yeah, the yeah. letter that Brubaker wrote in the last issue of Captain America. Because I didn't read the issue, but I did read his letter. Because I like reading letters from writers <laughs> yeah. at the end of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Tom Bravor, it's like, sat me down, basically. And was like, yeah. here is the list of questions that you have to answer if you yeah. bring Bucky back. Like, you have to know, like, why haven't we seen him? Why is he not older? Why is he young? Like, you know, what is yeah. the, like, how did it happen? And I like that. Yeah. It's, it, like, what he did was airtight. I mean, I'm just now rereading it, and it's brilliant uh and what really you know what really <clears throat> works for that uh, uh and this is somebody who when i heard about it i was like bad idea bad idea to bring bucky back and yeah. the reason it worked is because he brought him back in a way that didn't take away cap's guilt no yeah cap can still feel <laughs> guilty about what happened if anything it made him feel even more guilty because in a, there's in a, a tiny bit of relief that he's around yeah but it's still but like at the oh, same time he... it's like oh you know, you did I not have a good. Life. My son is alive, but he was raised by <laughs> yeah, wolves, yeah, right. and I let him be raised yeah, by wolves. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing of like, it's the thing like you when wanna, yeah, when uh, Joss Whedon brought co- spoiler, it's for astonishing X Men. <laughs> when Joss Whedon brought, brings Colossus back, uh, like it matters because his return story was way better than his death story, which is death issue. Was a really good issue, I think, in a very again a low point in the X comics, like around two thousand. But it was also like out of nowhere; like there was no yeah. build up to that. Yeah. I mean, it does. It does really. I feel like his him. What uh, Labdell did, or the X Office did, with having him sacrifice himself for the Lacey virus in memory of his of Ileana, basically, yeah. which is really. Uh, and then what Kieran Gillen had him do with the Juggernaut Gym and all that, like it really kind of focuses. Those two things really focus Colossus' character, I think. I didn't read his death, so I, I can't comment on yeah. that. But um, I find a lot of deaths when I read them. And the bad deaths are the ones where I feel like they happen and then they move on. I think a lot of the X-Men deaths feel like that to me. Like yeah. Nightcrawler's death. It's a great character, but it's just sort of like... Everyone's like, oh, we're yeah. sad about it. Yeah. But it, other than like one issue Wolverine, it, were, it, there's no long-term yeah. ramifications. Yeah. Where... Let's go Although, back to Spider-Man for a second. Um... Obviously, Gwen Stacy had long-term ramifications. Yeah, yeah, but look, yeah. look at even like was it Marla Jameson? Yeah, oh yeah, that, her death yeah. had a huge ramification. So yeah. she was kind of a nothing character, really. Yeah, she's married to a supporting character. Yeah, so sort of a B supporting character, and her death effect. It wasn't just a death. Dan yeah. Slott wasn't like I'm killing her to have a shock. It yeah. messed Spider-Man up. Yeah, no was, one dies. Yeah. Uh, well, now compare that to uh, the Wasp's death. In Secret Invasion, <laughs> which came out of nowhere. Well, it, it's been undone now. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> this guy is like, these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, she died, and it was just sort of like, all right, Avengers assemble. Yeah. Like, yeah. it didn't Although, affect the Avengers. It affected a little, a couple stories with Hank Pym. Giant Man. 
Uh, all, basically, every Hank Pym story since she died, though, has been about Wasp's death. Not Avengers Academy, really. Well, well, well you mean, know, well, here's the storyline. Avengers Going Academy, by- weren't they like, wasn't the Infinite Avengers Mansion inside her, like, weird... So, celestial body or something? Did you guys, again, going back to Dan Slott, and I think it's it's yeah. him taking that and saying, no, we have to deal right. with it. His Mighty Avengers run. Yeah, when yeah. he where, took over the moniker of Wasp. Yeah, yeah. Th- that, deal was, with a little bit. that yeah. was the only place where they dealt with it, and that was the only time that I felt like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, because even when it and happened, a tiny bit in Avengers like, Academy, oh. like, but I don't yeah. think it was dealt with in the Avengers, and to me, Secret of Evasion was an Avengers story. Yeah. So it should be dealt with in Avengers. Yeah. You're yeah. going to yeah. kill a character... You gotta deal with it, especially Even Hawkeye's when Hawkeye's death. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hawkeye sort of like Hawkeye died and came back, and it was it, it was all treated like a blink. Like Hawkeye's dead, you bastard! It's Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Now he's back. Oh great, let's go. Not like especially, you're on the team. Not like this. Especially too though, when the writer that kills the character is writing the Avengers as well, yeah. and doesn't yeah. deal with it. Like another writer yeah. deals with the ramifications of that death. I, I love ramifications from death, guys. If you're gonna do it, I love it. Well, well uh, not even death. I mean, anything that happens, yeah, like, like, like sort like, of actually seeing character yeah. growth, I mean, which we, is tough. Talking about Joss Whedon, like every death in Buffy matters. Yeah, yeah. except the, for maybe in the last, the very, very last episode, because we don't see what happens. We don't see what happens yet. next. But like when uh, oh. uh, when his mom dies, it's uh, when her di- mom dies. It's a big deal. Oh uh, man, when Angel dies, it's a big deal. It's like they they don't get over it the next episode. Yeah, even when Buffy died in the first ep- season. Yeah. Like, it's like, that, it, had, that could have easily been just like, they could have not dealt with that, and I probably wouldn't have noticed. But, but that, like, they dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. In a great episode. Kendra, well, then also, yeah, Kendra, Kendra the Vampire Slayer yeah. shows up. But also, the whole nature of Buffy is, like, dealing with death, because death yeah. is what triggers, like, another yeah. action. Yeah. I will it's say good that, writing. the, um, yeah. Rick Remender, like, he brought the AOA Nightcrawler in, and yes. there is an issue of Uncanny X-Force, where, <clears throat> I, I, you probably just read this more recently than I do. Where where the AOA Nightcrawler like goes to the Jean Grey school or whatever and like or like Kitty and like Psylocke and everyone like see him and yeah. they're just like this is bad like fuck yeah. they're freaked out by it which yeah, I yeah. love I love touches like that yeah uh, and, uh, and it's also bad that that seems like common sense and the fact that it isn't done enough in comics makes something that is common sense when it happens stand out just, more I think yeah. I think when people complain about deaths I mean they're right they happen too often and resurrections happen too often. But if if you do the deal with the ramifications every time, yeah, it's okay. It's all like, a story. It's like all I think the torch's death did have a ramification. Oh yeah, on Hickman. I actually would argue not as much as I'd like, uh, but it did have a ramification. I mean, it created the future foundation. Yeah, well, it's it's treating and also it was a great issue. Like great issue. issues around there. God, it's it's like it's it's the idea of <coughs> treating the. You know, and yes, these are fantastical stories, but you know what the Marvel universe has always done in their original MO was, you know, creating the everyday, turning the everyman into a superhero. Like that is, like like Peter Parker is is the genesis of that. You know, and and you have to have that relatability, and and it's tough. You start to lose touch, and for me, I start to lose touch with characters who can. Just say like you know, oh, oh she died. Wow. Uh, so we go to Shake Shack. Yeah, yeah. I really love uh, Banshee's death. Was really that's a great example. Great. Yeah. Like I love that and X Factor. Yeah, but Peter yeah. David, who's a but, like, but but I don't know when he. I didn't read the issue where he died. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was dealt with in the book where they killed him. And speaking of, no, I don't. The X Men themselves have never really like said that much about Banshee's death. That's but, the like problem. Siren, it, like yeah. she's now called Banshee. And but if she, you write the death. And yeah. I agree, Peter David, who has his daughter in his book, has to deal with it. But also, yeah. if you write the death, 
don't write it because otherwise you're writing it just for shock. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Siren handled the way she was just like in uh, denial. Denial. She's like, this for happens a while. all the time. I know you're going to be back. And, and then it like, dawned on her at some point. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Recently, like like a couple of years later, like yeah. I feel like she was like, he's not coming back. It was oh, it was so a great, great moment because I had yeah. forgotten that she had denied it. Oh but yeah. When she realized he wasn't coming back, I was like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Or and even to <clears throat> spoiler alerts for this, when uh, when she gets pregnant. With Jamie Madrox's like dupe baby, yeah. and then it like dies, or like yeah. it, he reabsorbs it back into him. Yeah. So have you read that? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that was disturbing. That was the so day great. that issue came out at Wizard. It was literally that issue was getting passed around the lunch table, and everyone's like, "You have to read this." People who don't even give a shit because it was the most fucked up. But, like yeah. that, that, yeah. that destroyed their relationship for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And generally, when I get mad about a character dying, generally because I like that character and think it's I want to see it get used, but then also. If it doesn't, if you don't do anything with that death, it's even more upset. I yeah. I would say yeah. like Blue Beetle's death. I was uh, going to ask Ted Cord. I didn't think they dealt with like his death. I guess was like got the heroes involved, but that's a cop out. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, the heroes wouldn't have investigated this if Ted Cord didn't die. I'm like that's not ramifications. No, it affected Booster Gold in his title. A little yeah, bit. and otherwise, and it created a new <clears throat> Blue Beetle. But other than the Blue Beetle uh, Booster Gold series, it wasn't really dealt with. And again, it wasn't dealt with with the people who wrote it. Yeah. yeah, Dan Jurgens dealt with it, uh, or Jeff Jones. Uh, oh, was uh, uh, yeah, it was those uh, two guys uh, dealt with it. Uh, Jeff Katz and Jeff Johns. Yeah, and, uh, and Keith yeah. Giffen yeah. when he like the whole Booster Gold run, they deal with it not on and off because it's yeah. his best friend. Good, good for them. Otherwise, it would have been a. Bl- and I read those issues as I'm like, yeah, these are the issues that are dealing with the character I like that you killed. Yeah, yeah, because you you need to feel or don't kill them. You know, just put them on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It, 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 deaths, deaths in comics. I th- as I get older too, I guess when I was a teenager and shocks were cool, like it, it was. All, it was like whoa or whatever. But yeah, great explanation, Matt. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, really eloquent. But as I get older, I realize like it's not necessary. Like it's not necessary. Yeah. Like you can you can pack them off and literally because because the majority of the Marvel universe happens in New York. Say, move them to Detroit. Yeah. Tell yeah. them that, you know, listen, uh, you know what? I am moving to Madison, Wisconsin <laughs> to uh, to work on a senatorial campaign. Sure, yeah. I don't know when I'll be I'd back. I'd love to read Blue Beetle as a senator. Uh, <laughs> well, there's also, there's also, like, their death should also, I feel like, be proportionate to their importance as a character. And I kind of feel like both Banshee and Nightcrawler's deaths were not... I don't know, they weren't equivalent. Nightcrawler's a big character. We're, we're not equivalent. a smaller character, but... But I feel like, like, well, well, Banshee, but also Nightcrawler's death was way better than Banshee's. Like, Banshee's well, was literally, he just got caught in between two planes that yeah, crashed. Yeah. Like, and spoiler alert, they, they can't just be fodder. Yeah, which it feels like they kind of were. Which, feels like they are. To make it seem like this is a real threat is no. often why people die. It's like, this is like, a threat. People are dying. It's teleported like, right. into someone's, into a sentinel's arm. Like, Nightcrawler yeah. wouldn't do that because Nightcrawler, I don't know, like, Nightcrawler would have found another way besides that. It feels, it, it feels like. <clears throat> It feels like when a character like Banshee, and spoiler alert for our own show, on next week's podcast, we will be reading Generation X, issues yeah. one through four, yeah. <laughs> by uh, by Scott Lobdell and Chris Pachalo, uh, alongside Nicole Dressel and Mr. <sighs> Matt Fisher. She's moving further ahead of me. Yep. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, and rereading those, I, I realized, I, I realized like, like what a solid character Banshee was as a mentor. Yeah. And, and talking about his death oh. now, I realized, like, when that happens, 
you realize the the the, the opportunities that were squandered with that character yeah. when they die, and he, then when it's not addressed, it's like squandering the squandered opportunities, yeah. which is which can also Banshee, be frustrating as well. The X Men need a character like Banshee, like right now. Like Banshee is like he was a veteran when he was even on the team. Like in yeah. Giant Size Number One, he was already like. I he had, had a old. pipe. Yeah, you guys, he, like, had he had a, a pipe. pipe. I, I love that Professor X recruited him in, uh, at Opryland, or at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. <laughs> oh, that's I was like, true! I was like, yeah! <laughs> that's where I live! Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I I think to that uh, extent, though, it looks like they're dealing with Professor X's death. Yeah, I can... I can Say so far, it seems like his death is yeah. a big, a big deal that's um, affecting a and lot. And it seemed like even a big deal in the story. It didn't feel like a fodder death. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a... <laughs> That, that most recent crossover, that death worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, he's and I think you can't be afraid. I mean, even despite everything I'm saying, I don't think you should be afraid to kill someone. It's just like... Certainly not. Just you should have Tom Brevroot sit down with you. He's like, if you're going to kill this character... What are you going to do after? Like, What do... happens next? Are you yeah. going to with, deal with it? No? Then you can't kill that character. Just do that for every... Yeah. Any, any character that's ever been a regular character in a book. Yeah. You can kill Marla Jameson, honestly. Just no one... No one cares, but even he dealt... Again, he dealt with yeah. the ramifications, but like... Those characters, I guess, you can kill. Yeah. But you well, can't kill anybody who is a member of any team in a book. You can't yeah. kill a new warrior without, yeah. like, sitting down and being like, hey, someone might and, miss Night Thrasher. Yeah. How are we going to deal with this? We well, and I that? love that even in, like, Nova's ongoing series, like, when Nova comes back to Earth and finds out all that happened, he is affected by yeah. it. I'm not all the way through Nova yet, so I don't That's know. That's a great issue. Um, yeah. I, I've been interviewing, I interviewed Brian Bendis for Marvel.com for his work on All New X-Men, and it's kind of the same thing, like, when characters come back to life, like, this is the original five X-Men coming back. Yeah. So you have, like... You know, Wolverine seeing young Jean Grey, and I asked him, like, Psylocke is gonna see a young angel running around. Like, yeah. th- like when characters come back from the dead, I feel like you also have to have that checklist of, like, yeah. who is this gonna affect? Like, hu- like, Husk should have a lot of feelings about what happened to Archangel because they dated for a while. It was gross and icky and an awful writer. <laughs> Didn't but, those, but I believe But <laughs> they, they dated, and it or kind of. Ask, ask Alan Starzynski about <sighs> She Lies with Angels. Oh, I will not. <laughs> uh, uh, like Mockingbird coming back seemed to have a was a blip for Hawkeye, right? Well, yeah, they had a. Were they married? Were they married? They, they were, were married. married they then, were married, and they were on the rocks when she died. Yeah, but it was a big deal. Like I feel like during Secret Invasion they made it a big deal, but then after that, like not really. Like in that, the Avengers they, book, it wasn't treated like anything. Yeah, they were they, on separate teams. That, that was yeah. That was the yeah. Big, well, they had a mini. They had a. They had an ongoing of mini series, which I didn't read. So um, maybe it was dealt with in there. Well, but even there, like they just became partners and just like. Kind of like an on again, on yeah. again, like man, not really. I, I don't know. Yeah. That just seems weird to me. If like your wife came back to life, it's, it's Castaway. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, you're back, up. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, spoiler. Spoiler. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, now I'm just trying to spoil more stuff. He's 20 minutes into the movie right now, <laughs> listening to the podcast. I better start watching this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now I'm just trying to think of things to spoil. To be honest. Uh, no, but that's Castaway but that is so true. Cut. Like like that is. Uh, <laughs> And when when Tom Hanks comes back in Castaway, like that that is really intense. Like it's the scene in the car and, moment, and just even her just being like, "What do I do?" And he's like, "You don't yeah. need to go back to me." And it's just like, yeah, it's hard on both of them. Yeah, it's the same to me. It's, it's awesome. She runs out. She gets in the car, and then they sit there, and then they're like, "We, yeah. we can't do this." Yeah. Oh God, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's when Colossus Home, Homeland's pilot. That, really a spoiler because it's a pilot. Uh, well, like the wife. Uh, they haven't seen the pilot. I'm going to watch it. Guys. It's not. It's not a spoiler, really. <laughs> like when Brody has to be reunited with his wife, it's like shh, he was a POW. Yeah, he thought he was dead. Yeah, like 
Or maybe part of her thought. Like, even if she wasn't 100% sure, like, a good portion of her thought, you know, is, you know it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And now she's just got to deal with it. Like, whatever else is going on the show, I won't mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's a spoiler alert, though, too, because that's the conceit that's of the show, is okay. he returns. I don't know anything and, about yeah. it except people won't shut up about it. Then then you should either not watch it or not care. Los Blancos, uh, I'm more Homeland. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But, like, the idea of, like, oh, this, my, I thought this guy was dead, and now he's back, and he's, my kids are here, and, like... They've aged, and it's like, what a heart-wrenching moment. Yeah. Your life... You don't know how to deal with it. It's it's a very... It, it's it's a very mortal <laughs> moment when you realize that the... It, it's like... It's like being Huck Finn and seeing your own funeral. Like, coming back from Is the... Is this a Huck Finn spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... You you know the book. You ha you it's <laughs> it is literally thrown in your face that the world turns without you. Yeah. Yeah. Because no matter how selfish or self centered or lack thereof that you can be, you're still the center of whatever world yeah. uh you are in. Yeah. You know, it, because of your own interactions and because of how the mind works. Uh, Just Whedon also treated Buffy coming I didn't like the oh. season, but her coming back was a huge Oh yeah, I mean huge it, ram- the ramifications yeah. lasted a season. Yeah. Like, it yeah. was like uh, a season um, I didn't enjoy. I will say, but they dealt with it. <laughs> uh, Jean Grey's Jean Grey coming back from the dead in the eighties was a I felt dealt with huge because it made Cyclops a huge dick <laughs> because he oh, was married with man. a kid. That X Factor, <laughs> the the beginning of X Factor, yeah. he is oh he's icky. Yeah, it's because he wants to be a Jean Grey. No, he, he just he, he just he straight leaves. up leaves. He, he leaves, leaves his kid and Madeline Pryor. Yeah. And that, and that was the impetus for Claremont, like, kind of taking Madeline Pryor under the Uncanny X-Men wing, because he wasn't writing X-Factor, didn't really have much, like, he was mad about X-Factor. Uh, I he think was? He, uh, yeah, oh, man, the uh, Untold History of Marvel book is amazing, because there's, like, a passage dedicated to, like, I think it was Louise Simonson took Chris Claremont out to dinner on a Friday evening. Oh, man, to end tell of the week. Him, yeah, to tell him... By the way, um, they're doing a book called X Factor with a five original X Men. They're reuniting. They're resurrecting Jean Grey, and he apparently like stormed out of the restaurant, found the nearest payphone, and just kept calling the Marvel offices all weekend. Wow, like, so livid! And then, he, and then I think by Monday he had realized I can't stop them from doing this. I will <coughs> help like break the story with them to yeah. make sure she comes back in a good way. Yeah. Um, but that's crazy. But he. He that's when he took Malin Pryor and Nathan into Uncanny and had her become like the team's like mechanic or whatever. I wasn't reading it at yeah. the time. So uh, I read their early X Factors. Uh, I don't know why. What made me read those? I wasn't reading X Men or any of those books, but I read X Factor. Weird. Yeah, that uh, early X Factor was strange because it was like they they were going to make it one thing, and then within like three issues, yeah. Yeah. they that that team was off the book. Like the the yeah. creative yeah, team was off the book, yeah. and then they shifted. And then they shifted again when yeah. uh, Walt Simonson took it over. I mean, I read a lot of the, and like, I wasn't like a huge Simonson fan at the time. Though no, I'm now a huge fan of his. Like, I was yeah. just reading it. I was, I liked the idea of like the the little the, the X Men they were gathering their own little team of X Men. Great characters, like, Boom Boom uh, Richter, love them, love them, love them, uh, Skids, love them. I loved all those characters. Yeah. I was really into them. Uh, Marty, but Lynch, Matt, I don't know what ship. what drew, yeah. drew drew me to that book. It's like that weird thing where you're at that age, just like a new book. I'll try it, and then yeah. I kept reading it. Because it was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. It was good. Uh, so I was like, I kept reading it. <laughs> yeah. X Men was going through some weird shit at that time. I never, I never read a ton of X Men as a kid. I've read, gone back and read some of it, but yeah, um, I've read, read more of it now. Well, uh, we have to start wrapping things yes. up, um, but we should talk a little bit more about our pick next week uh, formally. Uh, take off your spoiler 
earbuds. People. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know waiting how. since minute 10. Yeah. yeah. Now you can start listening again. Great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, but next week we are reading uh, my pick, uh, Generation X number one through four by Scott Lobdell and Chris Pachalo, uh from late 1994 through early 95. Um, back, <laughs> background on this. Oh, man, guys. Whew. I started reading X-Men in early 93. So, I, no one was more excited for Generation X number one than me, because this was like, this was my, this is how young I am. Yeah. This is, you hate me? No, hate I'm, just, I'm gonna laugh at you, man. Because <laughs> these are your new mutants, is that yeah. what you're gonna yeah, say? But like, my new mutants were the new mutants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, Though I did come in right after Bill Sienkiewicz, so I didn't hit the real new mutants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like, yeah, Generation X number one, I was psyched for all of the Phalanx Covenant because I was like gearing up for <laughs> this number one. And literally, like, I remember being a kid and like thinking, this is my new mutants. This is my number <laughs> one because I was already well versed in X-Men history after that first year. Uh, and I fuck it. I have such an attachment to these characters. Um, and also it doesn't hurt that like Scott Lobdell, for all the shit you want to talk about him on Uncanny X-Men... Dude's on point in this. Like, this is what he should have been writing, was, like, snarky teenagers making very mid-90s pop culture references, being very, like, self-aware and clever, um, and just hanging out. Like, not much plot. Just really good three-dimensional I love, I love when uh, writers that are mostly maligned have that one book where they're good on. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah. Like, I thought early, early Mutant X by Howard Mackey, who gets a lot of trash, was really good. Yeah. Uh, and I thought um, well, his Ghost Rider stuff was good I never read but I've heard that as well yeah. well and it's like I feel like Lobdell probably gets is, Generation X is probably great because Lobdell was dealing with characters that he and Chris Pachala created yeah. uh, so no one could be like Chris Claremont wrote Skin a lot better than you yeah. uh, which is all he got with X-Men but also huge shoes to fill uh, uh, you know it's funny I, I, collect, I, I was reading this when it came out and now that we are friends we didn't know, you know, obviously we yeah. didn't know each other decades ago, but now, re- what's that? It's a magic trick. Yeah. We, we did know each other, correct? Yeah. <laughs> correct. <laughs> and this was your this your life? <laughs> uh, but rereading this now and knowing you the entire time I was reading it, I was like, oh yeah, Brett White is all over this yeah. book. Like, I legitimately uh, feel like you could have written uh, that. Like, thank you. It felt thank like, you so yeah. much. <laughs> well, when I think of 1994, I think of, I think of, which, which happens a lot. Which happens when a lot. I think of 1994. <laughs> well, I was reading in 94. 94? Let me go and look it up. 94 yeah. is Friends Season 1 and Generation X 1 through 4. Like, I, tonally, the look of them, like, to me in my brain, they're so entwined. I also want to point out that when I arrived, and yeah. I'm currently still on what? pause what? on the television, yeah. uh, Brett what? White was watching his Blu-ray collection of Friends. Guys. Season 2. Yeah, yeah I, I just started Season 2. This is the second episode of Season 2. So this is, oh my god, so this was, oh no, 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 this would have been 95. I yeah, was going to say, this would have been on the air as yeah. that. No, they issues. debuted at the same time. Yeah. Uh, there's just, it's, I also feel like with... Pretty much with all comic book artists in general, and we've talked about this before, there are very few comic book artists that actually draw teenagers as they exist in the time period that they're existing in. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Alfona did with Runaways, and Chris Bacciallo definitely does it with uh, Generation X. Like, this, Oh, yeah. Well, Skin? This, yeah. Skin definitely looks like 
uh, a, a, a Latino oh, kid from L.A. Like guys, he's wearing the uh, the, the flannel yeah. buttoned all the yeah. way to the top. Jubilee with, yeah, in the right, very the first double page spread is wearing. Remember those giant house shoes that were like monster feet that were like green with the they, black like, spots and the yellow. Was Jubilee toenails? already existing pre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was the Kitty Pride. Yeah, and yeah. also I love like didn't want to be on the team, wanted to be on the X Men. Le- legitimately, there, there was an issue says. of Uncanny a couple uh, a couple of months before this. Where she has to leave the team and is like, why do I have to go to the kids' table? Yeah. That's the same thing Kitty yeah, Pride. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, but Jubilee yeah, actually but Kitty sticks Pride didn't it out. have to. Yeah. yeah. Jubilee, well, because also Kitty Pride was a genius and Jubilee, not that smart. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I don't know, guys, uh, you can find this on Amazon. Um, it's in a trade called Generation X Classic, which, uh, <laughs> which really, it, which collects, um, it's really a good collection. It collects all of Generation Next, so which are. Defensive. Because I think shut I'm up, Kevin. Room. Room. <laughs> really, it's really good. Shut I up, believe Kevin. you. I believe no, you it's don't. Good. You don't believe me about Not anything. hundred percent. I believe you a little bit. Uh, um, but it had, I mean, if you want to see Andy Kubert art and Joe Madureira art from the mid '90s, like they did the art chores on those books, and they're yep. interesting at the time. I loved it. it. It's very different. You can see it's like baby pictures. It's baby pictures. Oh, uh, uh, good call. All right, it's good. That's fair. Uh, it's those four issues. Also, it might have Uncanny 318 where Jubilee leaves. I'm not sure. But it also has the first four issues of Generation X as well as like all the bonus backup material because Generation X's launch was accompanied with like an ash can. Oh, yeah, and yeah. It, yeah. There, there were like all those character story. sketches. And there was a Generation X preview magazine that yeah. had like them on the cover and had like course guides that they never got around to. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, Howard what Comics, they do for Howard new Comics doing in '94? How are comics doing in '94? <laughs> Bad? Uh, no good. No, that was that was the that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, but they it were... was like '95. I think was when Neil Gaiman and uh, Frank Miller at San Diego Comic Con were like, "Let me explain how a speculation boom works," and like the entire room went, "Oh, oh yeah, shit." Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like you can tell like there is a vim and vigor in Generation X one through four that carries all the way through Age of Apocalypse. Where I feel like, like the general feeling amongst me and the X Men books, where they are riding high, onslaught happens and things feel shaky. Yeah, I was very aware when comics were doing great, like Spider Man One. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I was in college, I think when things started really falling apart, and I was still reading stuff, but I just wasn't aware that like they weren't selling anymore. Yeah. To me, I was like, they're still selling. And then I kind of came out of college, like, oh, nobody reads these anymore but me. Yep. Yeah. That was yeah, that was me. That but me, it was like X Men season one aired. Everyone in school loved comic books and the X Men. I get to the first day of fourth grade, and X Men season. Yeah, I'm I'm 28. I'm 28. I get to the first day of fourth grade, and season two premiered, and I go and talk to my one friend. I'm like, "Did you see that Morph is back?" Spoiler for X Men season two. <laughs> and he's like, "I don't care about that anymore." And that was I, my heart sank, and then. I was alone. Like, no, yeah. I did not talk I'm about only, comics I'm only in person. I'm 10 years older than you, but right now it feels like 100 years. <laughs> well, right now we're peers. I feel uh, like yes. right now we are peers. It's true. It's like you went in X-Men college. to me seems like, oh, I was, it was, I was, you're fourth grade when X-Men came out. I feel like I was, I was 30 when it came out, which is not true, but it feels like that. You wouldn't have hung out with a fourth grader at that time. I might have. <laughs> uh, but, anyway, uh, but yeah um check out that book uh thank you kevin for coming yeah thanks so much this the is show. a great time uh where can people find you on twitter at, uh, at heaven kinds kev hines not kev heaven kinds not me <laughs> not heaven kinds rarely posts not me very dirty very dirty heaven kinds not safe for work yeah kev hines mostly safe for work 
Yes. Yes. Uh, and I mentioned scratching my balls recently, and that's about as dirty as I get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved I loved the tweets that you tweeted at us while we were at Con. Oh yeah. Which were hilarious. Yes. Uh, uh, so somewhere at Comic Con right now, yeah. Matt Little is saying about a comic run. I haven't read that, but it's on my list, and I yeah. can't wait to check it yeah. out. <laughs> that's, that's everything you've ever said to me about that. <laughs> but you keep telling you like you you keep telling me about all these like great books that I've heard of, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll get to that, and and you're like, no, it's really good. And I've <laughs> and I've learned that like if Kevin Hines tells me something's good, I need to I need to read it a lot sooner than. Uh, I'm just I'm just bragging to you. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm gesturing to you with my uh, the. Compliment. Do I not take your suggestions? Um, I, you probably do. You actually usually. No, I'm reading. Re, tell me, read revival, didn't you? Revival, maybe. Stumptown. I, I do like revival. Oh, Stumptown, yeah. I definitely said. See, <sighs> Stumptown's great. I've read the first issue. Everyone, get that too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, and where where can they where can they catch you performing? Just as a reminder, uh, reminder every Saturday night at the UCB Theater at nine uh, seven thirty, and every Wednesday at the UCB East at nine p.m. So seven thirty Saturdays, nine p.m. Wednesdays. Excellent. Uh, you can visit us online at mattbrettlovecomics.com where you can find all of our Twitter handles and everything. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brett White. Matt's at the Matt Little. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and if you're interested in any of the comics that we talked about today, uh, spoiler alert, you can <laughs> click through. We will have links on our website oh, to man. purchase them in trade form on Amazon. Uh, please click through from the site. It kicks a little money back to us. It's a really cool, it's a really cool program that Amazon has uh, where it kicks money back to us. It's no cost to you. Uh, it's it's like playing everybody wins poker. Yeah, like everyone has a Except winning. Except Amazon, hand. who is forking over money to us, but good for them. Yeah, well they 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 control most but of the rest of the world. Advertising their product. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. We're we're advertising their store. We're everybody, saying everybody yeah. does. If, win. They, if they gave you a lot of money, it means you drove a lot of traffic to them. Yeah. And I'm I'm okay because okay hey, look I'm an Amazon Prime member also, and I enjoy being a Prime. Let's member. be clear, you are on Amazon shopping for Christmas presents. Yeah. Anytime you want to buy anything from Amazon, go to our website, click on a do you link guys do that? through I our have, site. Yeah, totally. yeah. We yeah. That's I've done the best, that too. Because you guys are it's like you getting. We money get back money from your if you want to buy yeah. anything from mm-hmm. Amazon, not even just our comics. Just click on the link. Of one of our comics, and then just go to Amazon after that, and you're fine. Yeah, that's how Ebates works. Yes, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, you'll need to please, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to be doing a best of 2012 to celebrate our first year as a podcast. Yeah, uh, we're going to read some reviews on the air. So, if you want to hear your words read, that's the only prize you're getting, is just hearing us say your words and your name, probably. Yeah. Uh, But leave a review. But that's a prize, podcast immortality. Yeah. (laughs) No one will ever forget you. No. Uh, No, and you can head to Facebook and like us. We have uh, have a Facebook page, and uh, we post over there. Uh, We're starting to post more often. Um, We're posting links to the episodes and links to uh, Brett's columns on CBR, In Your Face Jam, every Wednesday. Dr. Doom's on Twitter, and he could retweet uh, some of the stuff. That'd be great. Bah! <laughs> what means this to Doom? Uh, please go back and check out some of our past issues, our back issues, past issues, past, past episodes. Issues. For example, uh, New Mutants Demon Bear Saga with Kathy <laughs> yeah, Salerno. Uh, we great, did that one. Great story. Uh, also, X-Force Volume 2, number 1 through 6. Not a good oh, story, oh, but with Jim no. Parang. Indeed. Which is great. Uh, Indeed. 
Also, oh, we just did JLA 10 through 15 with Jason Flowers of American One Shut Up. A lot of good stuff out there, guys. Yeah, so uh, so check out our back Sweet, issues. Green Arrow in that storyline? Uh, Connor. Uh, Connor. Connor, yeah. So yeah. Connor Queen is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was just at the beginning of his career's That's green good, era. Good stuff there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so yeah, check out our back issues and come back next week when we'll be reading Generation X issues one, one through four. four with Nicole Dressel and Matt Fisher. It's gonna be Nicole's a really good time. Gonna have feelings on this because I kind of picked it just for her because she hates the White Queen but loves schools. Yeah, so I so am true. Really excited. The beginning of the White Queen's. Uh, yeah. Uh, becoming a good guy. Yeah, this yeah. is her becoming a good guy arc. Yeah. So, Thank you so much. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Kevin Hines for hanging Anytime. out with us. Uh, we will see you next week. Until then, this is Matt. This is Brett. And we love comics. That's true. Yay, yay. My pony. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Two chains. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>